You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Final hour underway. Clay Travis joins us in 20 minutes. I'll kick 360. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, they have some new uh, beers available through Yeehaw. If you want to cheers in a bit. I would love that. I have them on uh, draft. I can't name them all. What They're do we seasonal. have? They're seasonal. Oh, they've, they've swapped out. Yeah, they have. We're, the, we're in the winter now. So they said we're I going guess, winter. Yeah, I guess we officially are. Winter beers. Do they have like a pre-winter season? You know, Christmas time? Well, they have and the Oktoberfest. They have the Oktoberfest. They yeah. had the fundraiser um, beer that they brought out, right? Yes. That the was hard the IPA. They had the uh, legged lamp lager. They did. That I love the can and so now, much I got a 12-pack of it. And them. now we'll figure it out during the next break. I'm going to go up to the bar here at Sixth and Peabody. I'm going to say... Please pour your finest <laughs> new selection. Of all the selections that there's too many to list, the finest of those, and we'll bring it back here and we will cheers in the next segment. Chad, I, I don't understand the mindset and the approach of a Hall of Fame voter for Cooperstown. This is mind-numbing to me. You get to, what, 75%. Scott Rowland's going in. Congrats. He's, what, six-year eligible, I believe? And he's the only one going in, other than McGriff, um, who joins him at a you know at a different uh, category altogether. But consider that he uh, Roland received less than ten percent of the vote five years ago, and now he's a Hall of Famer. It, I, I don't understand the rationale with that, where you flip that much over five years when the guy doesn't play at all. What are you considering that allows you to vote one way or the other that much in a swing vote that gets him in? And yeah. that's no knock on him. No, no, he's a, he's a great player, but is he a Hall of Famer? I, I don't know. And, and I, even the question of is he a Hall of Famer to me is more of a usually a name recognition thing. Sure. And just a guy, it's a gut feeling. Todd Helton, I think, is a Hall of Famer. For his career with the Rockies, yes. he's 11 votes away. I think he was at 72%. He needed 75%, and that's like 11 to 16 votes away from being a Hall of Famer. Went up a little bit from last year. Uh, Keith Hernandez, not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, more hits. Played the exact same amount of time as Scott Rowland. More hits, more walks, more gold gloves, more World Series, better batting average, more home runs. I mean... Ke Keith Hernandez, not a Hall of Famer. Scott Rowland, a Hall of Famer who played in a time where offense was better. So you make it make sense for me. I can't. I, I, I have no idea how this thing works. Well, and then... I know Kurt Schilling was on with, uh, with Dan Dockage today. Kurt Schilling. I hear the name Kurt Schilling. I think Hall of Famer. Yes. Well, the grudges that the voters hold is one thing. But then, like, to receive 10% of the vote five years ago and then 75% of the vote now. Like, I, I, if you're going to flip that much on one player, how are you not inching closer to allowing these other guys who are true Hall of Fame-worthy caliber players over Scott Rowland 
into Cooperstown. It's, it's also like, it, it makes it so, it cheapens it so much, the way they treat their votes. Yeah, Michael on the YouTube chat, he brings up a good point. He says, Saber metrics, advanced analytics is what's helped propel Scott Rowland into becoming a Hall of Famer. Todd Helton, in all likelihood, will get in with the next two years. Well, great. So now, newfangled statistics we're going to apply, and that's going to bring someone from 10% to get the but proper votes to be in the it, Hall of Fame? But the Saber metrics have changed that much in five years? I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, again. Like, it's mind-numbing the amount of power any voter for any Hall of Fame, to me, possesses. And the just silliness in why they do or do not vote for someone to get in at times. I'm sure there are a bunch of them that are great at what they do and research it, and they have very rational reasons for voting someone in or not voting someone in or changing their vote from one year to the next with someone. And, and things can change over time. But those voters, I feel like, are few and far between. And most of this just doesn't make any sense to me. And the voters have too much power. Um, There's my rant. Trey Wallace has the story right now at outkick.com. Stetson Bennett is not going to play in the Senior Bowl uh, next week. He's going to focus on the Combine and the Draft. I'm assuming he will go there and interview with teams because that's exactly what Hendon Hooker is doing. And the Senior I, Bowl I has... I don't think so. He's not even arriving in to, to chat with teams. I don't know why he would not do that. Uh, according to Senior Bowl Executive Director Jim Nagy, Senior Bowl reps did have discussions with Stetson Bennett. This is in Trey Wallace's story. Mm -hmm. uh, with Stetson Bennett about potentially participating in the upcoming event, but Bennett's side decided he would focus on the NFL Combine and Draft. Um, it says it for should, workouts, though. It should be noted that Bennett was never officially invited to the Senior Bowl. Game takes place on Saturday, February fourth, in Mobile, Alabama. I I don't know. There were conversations, but he wasn't officially invited. So it's hard to tell if this is Stetson Bennett turning down an invite or just telling them not to invite me because I'm going to focus on the combine yeah. and everything else, which doesn't sound like him or his reps or anything that would remotely make any sense. So. I'm reading the tea leaves here and thinking he wasn't invited. Yeah, and but not officially anyway. That's for sure, and which is also strange. Uh, but the I don't know why he wouldn't go and chat with teams because that's exactly what Hendon Hooker's doing. He can't participate in the game either. But you can really help your stock. I I think now more than what we've seen in the last, uh, especially in the last decade, more players opt out of the combine. Because they've either participated at the Senior Bowl or, they, or they've wrapped up their conversations at the Senior Bowl that have allowed teams to form their own opinion of that player before you even get to Indianapolis in February. So uh, the, I, he, I would show up in Mobile and go through the gauntlet if I'm Bennett. I think Bennett can end up being a day two pick. I do too, and he's also going to crush the interviews. Yeah, I think he's a guy that in the interview setting is going to impress. It also teams. sounds like he's going to work out at the combine, and that's where the scrutiny will come in because that's where the you know he's already you know he's too small. He's what five ten, five eleven, hundred ninety pounds. That's and I don't, I don't as. think he's that. Yeah, but that's where they'll have the official, the official weigh in, and the face off with teams, Chad. Yeah, Bryce Young too. We'll find out officially on his height. I think also Hendon Hooker going to the Senior Bowl, great for him because he's going to do very well uh, in interviews. Yep. I, I'm, I'm done doubting Stetson Bennett altogether. Yeah. 
I, I don't I, think he's, he's going to be a late round pick. I think he's going to go higher than we expect. And I think he's going to have a way better career than anyone expects because he has done more than anyone has ever expected. And I don't think that trend will end in the NFL. Well, we've seen higher picks fail miserably, right? Yes. Like that's the other thing to point to. Uh, you drop any quarterback in with the right offense, Brock the right Purdy coach. Brock Purdy with the 49ers. Yeah. Could Stetson Bennett be Brock Purdy? Absolutely. Sure. Yes. He could be he could be better than Brock Purdy if given that opportunity. So I'm I'm done doubting the guy. He's gonna find his way somehow, some way, he'll be an NFL quarterback. Chad, I don't know how the DeMar Hamlin body double conspiracy theory makes sense to anyone. Uh, but there are those that believe that because Hamlin's you haven't officially seen his face, that he's dead. Like, this is some body double that they're showing uh, on a routine basis now. Anytime this guy's out on a street corner, uh, there's photos of him, you know, standing outside the Bills facility. Of course, the one where it's, I mean, the snow's falling and CBS can't even get a great shot of his uh, silhouette because of the weather. Uh, here is Josh Allen, Bills quarterback, uh, discussing this topic with Kyle Brand on his podcast. So Newsweek, New York Post, and other outlets are running stories about a DeMar Hamlin conspiracy theory in which people are suggesting that he was not at the game on Sunday and that it was some sort of body double conspiracy cover-up that goes on and on and on into the tinfoil hat territory. Would you like to debunk that conspiracy theory or maybe confirm it? Yeah, that's that's stupid. Um, that you said, main, like there's mainstream media outlets pushing this. There's mainstream media outlets. There's people with like really legitimate heavy followings who are saying the fix is in. Um, that was not Demar. His face was covered. He had sunglasses. He had a hat. When they went to him on CBS, you couldn't see him. And that there's this next level conspiracy that that was actually not Demar Hamlin at the game. They're saying it. One, that's that's Demar swag. That's what he like. He works wearing that. Um, two, he was in the locker room with us pregame. So yes, that was Demar. There's absolutely <laughs> zero chance. There's absolutely zero chance. That's okay, the good. Demar Hamlin. That's our guy. That's uh, our brother. He was with us pregame, postgame. He was up in the suite with his family, his little brother. One hundred percent. So people need to stop. I got it. Stop this. So Hutton, can I take you? Uh, can I take you under the tinfoil hat? Yes. Um, because sure. I, I I didn't know these people existed that believed this. I saw maybe a random tweet about it mm-hmm. and didn't really understand what they were talking about with body double conspiracy was what I was seeing. But lo and behold, a man by the name of Nick on Twitter uh, because the, the I Nick? I retweeted David Hookstead's story at Outkick. Mm-hmm where Josh Allen debunks this, I think we all just heard the audio pretty clearly debunks this crazy conspiracy theory. I didn't right? even need to hear from the quarterback to know this is No, stupid. no, of course not. And, and Hookstead writes as much at, at outkick.com. Uh, Nick says to my post about it, I, I thought this was at first, I thought it was play acting. Like he was being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. Not sarcastic. This is from Nick. <laughs> it is bizarre. I would think after having, again, not me, this is Nick. I would think after having CPR done for nine minutes and his heart stopping twice, he would still have injuries from it and not be able to move his arms like that so easily without a grimace. Face was fully covered as well. Again, take those two lines. He did it without a grimace. Face was fully covered. Okay. How do you know he's not grimacing? 
Have any players <laughs> actually seen him up close? I responded and said, yes, Josh Allen says he saw him in the locker room pre and post game. And then Nick goes on. In addition, just because Brant doesn't believe a scenario like that isn't possible doesn't mean it's not. With the amount of athletes suffering from heart attacks and or death recently and how the CDC and government try to control the narrative about vaccines, it's not that far-fetched. So I said, have you watched the video? That was my response to Nick. Nick's response, I did. Allen wasn't that reassuring. <laughs> he didn't even know about the conspiracy reports. So now not having knowledge of the conspiracy reports somehow makes it where, oh, this guy's not up to the news now. It just seemed really odd how he arrived with his face, head mostly covered as he sat in a golf cart wedged in between security and how they filmed him in the suite. I just hope he's okay. All right. So then Nick goes on to say, I'm of the belief he is still very ill and recovering, but the NFL wanted and needed to get out of the negative spotlight. I think we will see more on this sooner rather than later. To what extent? I don't know. I responded and said, he's, he's not dead. He's alive. He was there. Josh Allen says it. It's ridiculous to believe that the NFL would go to these links in the first place. So Nick says, when I said he's alive, or when I said he's not dead, he said, I sure hope he's not dead, Chad. But it is the NFL, and they're notorious for covering up any wrongdoings that they may even be remotely responsible for. If everything is on the up and up, why make it so secretive? At the very least, they could have done a better job of not providing doubt. That is from Nick. Now, I read these tweets only to take you into the mind of someone who believes this conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I say this to Nick and everyone else. If you truly believe that the NFL is trying to cover up for something they believe or the CDC is covering up because this is somehow you know COVID vaccine related or whatever it may be, and that they decided to have a, a guy who died and then create a body double or bring someone in that's a body double to carry it on, why wouldn't they just change the report about how he died? If you really wanted to cover that up, all you have to do, if you have this power, Hutton, if you're the deep state, okay, the yes. NFL and Roger Goodell, all you have to do is change the autopsy when he dies to say it's something that you're not involved in or it's not COVID vaccine related. This is pure insanity. If you believe this conspiracy theory, it's, it's purely insane. You have to look at motive. There's no motive to do that. If you think they've got a body double out there of this guy and are saying he's alive when he's not, it, it makes no sense. Stupid, H help people, me out here, stupid people like this make me believe that I'm living in a simulation. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I'll buy into that theory because of stupid people like Nick. I mean, the idea that everyone would go to these links, the NFL would have power over the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, who then allowed him to go to Buffalo, who then sent him home. And the links that this would take to actually pull off, the energy that goes into this for a playoff weekend where, again, like... All you got to do is say he's at home. He didn't come to the game because he didn't go to the previous game. It's really not that hard to figure out that it doesn't make sense and you shouldn't buy into this. Chad, this gives me a headache. Um, there are plenty of stupid people walking the planet and they're showing exactly how dumb they are by tweeting this garbage. 
I, it's that simple. There's a fine line between wanting to be a person that questions a lot of things and that doesn't buy into everything, you know, a major powerful corporation or company or league or the government tells you. That's fine. We, we should question things. But when you cross the line between that to just believing everything is fake, you, you've, you've crossed the threshold at that point. So to my guy, what was his name again? Nick? Yeah, you've, you've crossed the threshold into pure insanity Nick, at this DeMar point. DeMar Hamlin could walk by Nick on the sidewalk, and he would have no clue. Like, that's how little the public knows about DeMar Hamlin. They, we know his name. You couldn't pick him out of a lineup. I really don't think the average NFL fan, prior to anything that happened in Cincinnati, could pick him out of a lineup. And I know for a fact they wouldn't know if they walked by him on the sidewalk. I Today. Mean, yeah, just come on. Come on. Got to be smart. By the way, Trey Wallace texts me and says, um, the senior bowl told him he could play. And uh, the, his rep said no thanks to playing in the Senior Bowl. That's an odd decision by Stetson Bennett, if that's the case. Yeah, well, so I guess there are the, a lot for, of guys the formal opt invite out of the game. didn't happen only I, because they were told he wasn't going to play anyways. Well, the story, is he going to be in Mobile or not to talk with the teams? If he's not going there at all, that to me is like he's bypassing the opportunity to chat with NFL organizations, which is ongoing all next week during practices. There are plenty, I mean, there are several players each year who don't participate in the actual game because it's more beneficial to just go through the week and then you don't actually risk injury. Um, that's, the, that's the next question I have is it, the focus is the game. I want to know if he's actually going to be in Mobile. He should be. He could uh, Absolutely. We'll have Trey is, on tomorrow, yeah. right? So we'll ask him about this. Because this is where he's I down think in Mobile, it, I takes think. The next, you know, it takes the next step for him with teams is getting in front of them and showing that he is great behind the scenes when it comes to the offensive mind, right? How often are coordinators and coaches bragging about a guy on a chalkboard? Uh, you know, totally all agree. the time. Uh, this is Trey, where by the way, says shine. he will not participate in any interviews. He's not going at all. Yeah, that's to me. That's a mistake. It's a weird decision. Yeah, and it, but he is working out the combine, which is. Well, also, you can do both. <laughs> I know you can do both, but a lot I mean a lot of times you go to the practices and participate at the senior bowl and then don't even do any of the workouts at Indy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a it's a bit reverse from what I would expect him to do. So the new and improved, the new version of Stetson Bennett, Stetson Bennett 2.0 Man, will you, make you know his what? debut in Indy at the combine. We're not going to see him in, at the senior bowl. Well, assuming that he you know, he wants to go through all those uh, preparation um, and, and uh, anything other than going in for the interviews. Oh, hey, Nick on Twitter wants to know, can't they just put a body double there in, in, at the Senior Bowl for Stetson Bennett instead? Yeah. Maybe they'll just do that. Yeah. They could just have a clone of Stetson Bennett at the Senior Bowl. We could work that out. <laughs> go read Trey's story, outkick.com. By the way, the clone uh, of Stetson Bennett there. is like every high school quarterback right now. I feel like he's about the size and... <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm Stetson Bennett's no, I, better. You I know, know what I, I mean? Know. Like, you could get a lot yeah. of body double. There's a lot of guys who look like Stetson Bennett, is my point. So, if you're going to take the conspiracy theory completely out there, maybe they'll have a body double in his place. Let's say a, a lot of insurance guys yeah. look like Stetson Bennett. Uh, car owners of car dealerships. Yes. I would say he's young, the son of the owner of the car dealership right. that will one day inherit the car dealership. <laughs> That's what he looks like. Uh, he'll be a day two draft pick. 
based on his performance in his sixth year of eligibility at Georgia. Coming up, Clay Travis on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Six and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Clay Travis joins us as we return. Clay, hope all things are well, man. Yeah, I'm doing well. Getting ready to uh, head out to Las Vegas uh, here in a couple hours. That's not bad at all. Things are not as good for Bally Sports, Clay, and uh, regional sports partnerships with uh, the news. I know you've been been following with the bankruptcy. What do you make of all of this and, and what this could signify moving forward? Well, there, there was clearly – so my last book was uh, kind of dealt with this to a certain extent. I've been writing about this off and on for really a decade or so. This is the, the, the bubble bursting on the cable and satellite bundle as it pertains to the regional sports networks. And I'm sure people out there listening right now consume a variety of local teams, like where we live in Nashville – I watch, I think it's Bally Sports South or Bally South or whatever it's called. I don't know what the title of it is right now. Uh, but the easy way to think about this is um, initially these were all Fox Sports channels by and large. And these are local, regional cable and satellite channels that carried local teams. So if you're in Detroit, you got the Detroit Tigers games. If you're in, uh, like we said, Atlanta, you got the Atlanta Braves. And, uh, and, these were sold as part of a $71 billion, with a B, asset purchase uh, of, by Disney from Fox. And then almost uh, immediately, the Department of Justice said, okay, you can buy these assets from Fox, but these regional sports networks are an antitrust violation because of you owning ESPN, ESPN2, SEC Network, and, and the like. And so Disney had to put these for sale. And Bally bought them, and um, uh, Sinclair is the parent company. And it actually ended up being a benefit to Disney that they weren't left with these uh, these assets on their books. And Bloomberg, for people following this, is now reporting that all of these regional sports networks are going to have to file for bankruptcy uh, because their business has collapsed as a result of cable cord cutting and uh, the, the, the lack of subscribers out there to support this business model. So, Clay, what, what do you think is next for all of these? You know, we'll mention watching Braves games on Bally Sports Southeast. What comes out of all of this if this model is now breaking down to where these leagues that play so many games over the course of a season, where are they going to find their TV home? Well, I think there's going to be um, – a, a, a it's going to take a few years. I don't know. All these deals, remember, run for different periods of time and exactly what that bankruptcy looks like, uh, what the, uh, the, the, the ownership looks like of these contracts when they come out. But I think the end result is going to be that, you know, 
six years from now or five years from now, and certainly 10 years from now, everybody who wants to watch these games is going to have to pay for a streaming subscription. So uh, instead of being able to sit down and watch them by and large on your cable and satellite uh, package, I think you'll have to sign up for those on an individual basis, which is the big story here is the cable and satellite bundle was actually a pretty good deal for your average sports fan. And already you're seeing it start to fray in fairly substantial ways, particularly, you know, Amazon Prime now has Thursday night football. Uh, Apple's going to have the MLS if you're an MLS fan. YouTube, which is owned by Google, is going to have the NFL Sunday ticket going forward. So the days, I think, of a uh, fan sitting down in front of the television and just putting on uh, the the television guide and being able to find every single sporting event that they would want to watch, ESPN Plus has got the UFC. I mean, I could continue to break this down. I think increasingly those uh, those games are going to move to streaming services that individual fans are going to have to purchase. And it's actually going to cost a lot more than a cable and satellite subscription used to, which I think a lot of people are kind of having a light bulb moment go off and you're sitting around saying, wait a minute, I pay for Amazon Prime. I pay for HBO Max. I pay for Paramount. I play pay for uh, uh, Disney Plus. All of these different outlets, and you may still have a cable and satellite subscription, all these different uh, streaming services stacking one on top of another, Netflix, are going to end up costing more than the cable and satellite bundle did standing alone. Clay, we, we all know that one of the best professions to fail in is coaching uh, with the buyout money, right? Um, and I realize that not every coach has a 28-year-old Polish model as their girlfriend. <laughs> but why don't more coaches take the Cliff Kingsbury approach, buying a one-way ticket somewhere and getting away from the game? Um, I, I think there is a, uh, a fear to, uh, to not taking opportunities because in order to climb your way up to become a head coach in the NFL, you kind of have to have a maniacal focus on your career and be willing to go wherever the job is from the time you start off, you know, making $20,000 a year as a low level grinder. And I, I think there's a fear of being left behind, um, Candidly, a lot of coaches don't have either the youth or the money that Cliff Kingsbury has. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of guys who envy that choice that he made to just bail and be unreachable for a while. And I think it probably makes you more desirable uh, as a coaching hire to not be as available um, and you know sprinting towards uh, towards a job every single time. And I, I imagine that Cliff Kingsbury is just burned out. Um, you know, he's put everything he has into trying to win games and, uh, and that relationship with Kyler Murray. And he's probably just wanting to, uh, to totally recharge. And I, I don't uh, begrudge that decision at all. I mean, I think there's a part of everybody out there that would love to just kind of toss their cell phone as far as they could, uh, who has a job like that, who has a job that's, you know, 24-7 and be unreachable for some period of time where you kind of just get to live uh, moment to moment, which I'm sure has some appeal to Cliff Kingsbury. And when you've got all that money coming in, you know, tens of millions of dollars, uh, he doesn't have any immediate necessity to work. He doesn't even have a family. Right. So I, you know, I imagine for a lot of people, the reason why they don't vanish is because, you know, they've got a kid's basketball game coming up (laughs) on Saturday or Sunday, or they've got, uh, you know, responsibilities to get kids to school and things like that. Um, 
you know, I know I can't just vanish. I mean, the reason why I'm going to Las Vegas is because two or two of my kids are, uh, are competing in, uh, competing in an event out there. So, uh, you know, until they get to be 18 years old or more and don't need me on a day-to-day basis, go off to college, I've got a decade of, uh, of, of dad responsibility and 20 years or so plus of, uh, of dad responsibility. But to my knowledge, Cliff Kingsbury doesn't have a kid. Uh, and, uh, it's probably not a bad lifestyle to be, you know, 43 or 44, be super rich and, uh, be able to just date Instagram models. Yeah. Uh, I think there's probably a lot of people out there listening it's, to us right now that say, uh, that doesn't sound like a bad life. Chad, he's basically, uh, it's, it's Kingsbury DiCaprio that yeah, can pull this the, off. The same person. My daughter's uh, <laughs> softball draft is really stopping me from getting away to Thailand for a couple of weeks right now on Monday night. The only thing holding me back, Clay, um, I floated this idea out yesterday about the Big Ten, if they are going to expand, why not look into the Ivy League? If they're that worried about academics, now there's legislation because of antitrust rulings where the Ivy League could be offering athletic scholarships moving forward. What do you think about Harvard and Yale being two of the additions to the Big Ten and what those schools could offer the Big Ten, what they could offer prospective athletes out there as well as part of the Big Ten? Uh, I think there's a 0% chance of it happening. Um, just, I don't think people care about Harvard and Yale athletics. So um, if you're going to exp- – first of all, I don't think the Big Ten is going to expand. So uh, the number one rule of expansion is you only expand if there's substantial amounts of money to be gained from primarily like a television streaming service uh, increasing the amount of interest in your game. Um, and I don't think the markets of New Haven, Connecticut or – uh, Boston, Massachusetts bring much to the Big Ten. Um, I think if the Big Ten were going to expand, uh, it would probably be a no-brainer. They would have taken, let's say, Washington and Oregon. Um, and, and I'm just tossing those two schools out there uh, because I think they could have had them, and those are big markets, and it would you know, connect with the L.A. Uh, if they wanted to stay in California, they could have had Stanford, which is every bit as good of a school as Harvard or Yale, uh, but has a more established athletic history. Uh, or they could have, uh, you know, gone and grabbed Cal too, right, and taken over New York and the Bay Area uh, in the process. So uh, I, I don't think there's any chance of that. I don't think Harvard and Yale uh, candidly care. Um, and as sports fans, athletics matters. Athletics doesn't really matter at all to Harvard and Yale. Uh, remember, they basically canceled sports for two years, I think, because of COVID, and the overall budget of Harvard and Yale. Athletics is a pinprick of it. So um, I, I think there is legitimately a 0% chance of them making that move. If the Big Ten wanted to expand, I think they would expand further west. I don't think the dollars add up, which is why I don't believe they're taking Washington or Oregon or Cal or uh, Stanford, who would have been ecstatic, I think, to leave with USC and UCLA. Uh, but I think they'll probably stay stuck at uh, at 16 for some time to come. I think the biggest hindrance would be that Harvard and Yale people wouldn't want to lower themselves to, to, to bring in the level of athlete they would need to to compete at sports in that level. That would be a big stumbling block. But, Clay, I also don't buy the TV market argument, just like I didn't buy it when Rutgers went to the Big Ten and suddenly the entire New York market was all Big Ten. People in New York don't care about Rutgers. People in New York know no, Harvard and it, Yale way more than Rutgers, and people in Boston. You're, I mean, that those are national brands, Harvard and Yale, that people That's could a, get behind it's, it's a, if they're good in sports. It's a it's a zero percent chance. Look, the play for Rutgers 
was based on what is increasingly becoming an anachronism, which was the cable and television markets uh, for expansion. And so when you are in a new market, so cable vision, whatever the primary cable and satellite subscribers were in, in, the, in the New York City metropolitan area, you can charge a substantial premium for those markets. That's why the SEC went and got Texas A&M in Texas. It's why they took Missouri. Um, and frankly, there's an argument. That's why the Big Ten is still doing the L.A. market, because I don't know what their coverage looks like uh, in a market that big. Um, but you can charge about 10x the cable and satellite subscription dollars. Uh, it's why if the SEC expanded, they would add North Carolina and Virginia, because when you have a local team in those marketplaces, you get to charge about 10 times as much money. So let's say that uh, the SEC added Virginia Tech, and I don't remember the exact numbers. I used to know them, but let's say there are 9 million cable and satellite subscribers in the state of Virginia, and that might be too high, but let's say it's nine. Well, you would go from ten cents times nine million per month to a dollar times nine million per month, and so the dollars would add up such that schools paid for themselves. And and really, I think the idea behind the Big Ten adding Rutgers and going to the East Coast and making uh, a play there was the Big Ten was close to getting not just Rutgers and Maryland, but also going down the coast and picking off. Virginia and the University of North Carolina. So that was their play. Uh, they did not have it happen. We'll see what happens going forward. Uh, you know, with the ACC schools, that's why the ACC went north and added Syracuse, and why they added Boston College. If the Big Ten wanted to add a school in the Boston area, which I don't think they do because I don't think the dollars add up, I think they would add Boston College. Um, and if they wanted to add another school in New York, which I don't think they do, again. I think they would grab Syracuse. So um, that's that's the math behind it. The math just doesn't add up for either Yale or Harvard as making sense. What exactly was Patrick Reed expecting when he approached Rory McIlroy after suing the guy a few months ago and tried to greet him on the golf course in a practice round? Yeah, I don't know a ton of the details about the lawsuit, but expecting to get like a bro hug when you filed a lawsuit against somebody is, uh, <laughs> I think, uh, a little bit awkward. Now, maybe Patrick Reed is just not that plugged in to what's going on on a uh, on a day to day basis. You know, sometimes guys have advisors who, uh, you know, those guys are basically small businessmen um, and sometimes big business. Uh, you know, in the case of Rory and Tiger and everything else, uh, but it seems like Patrick Reed is just kind of socially awkward and not really um, aware necessarily of how his actions are perceived on the larger tour. Um, and, uh, and you know, I, I think that's kind of what that interaction, I watched the video where he kind of tossed the, the tee at, at Rory. Um, and it just seemed to me like this is a guy who's, who's very socially awkward, maybe doesn't necessarily have bad uh, intentions, but just really doesn't uh, have a sense for how his actions uh, are, uh, are are being received on the tour. Clay, uh, I've got, let's see, San Fran is getting two and a half this weekend. Chiefs, they're getting a point at home at Arrowhead now, so the Bengals are actually favored after opening up as the underdog. Who are you betting and why? 
Well, I think the challenge for Chiefs Bengals, and I'm taking the Chiefs, is you know analyzing the overall health of Patrick Mahomes because that's why the line has moved as it has. Um, ultimately, I think it's hard not to take the Chiefs as a home home underdog uh, against the Bengals, even uh, understanding the fact that the Bengals have won their last three in that series. Um, and uh, I, I also like the under. And then I believe the 49ers have probably the best roster outside of the quarterback position in all of the NFL. Um, and so I like them. I also like the under, but I like the Eagles uh, traveling cross country. Uh, I, I like the 49ers in that game as the underdog against the Eagles, uh, you know, with two and a half. Who do you think the NFL wants to win these games? I think the NFL is in a really good spot in the AFC uh, because either Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow are so young and such superstars that they will do really well regardless of which team comes out of the AFC side. Um, on the NFC side, I would probably bet uh, that uh, that I, I think they're in decent shape there as well. Uh, I tend to think the 49ers are a bigger brand than the Eagles, and they might like the story of Brock Purdy more than they like the story of the Eagles. Um, uh, but, uh, but so I tend to think maybe a little bit 49ers, but again, I don't think they're in a bad spot because Jalen hurts when you have a young quarterback who has performed at the level that he has in a big East coast media market, it's hard to go wrong in, uh, in that dynamic at all. Probably, uh, they would rather have if, uh, well, Fox, I mean, Fox has this game. It's a good question. I would think they'd probably rather have East coast to West coast, right? Yeah. So if they could draft the Eagles and the 49ers. Uh, as the team to teams to play, they probably would prefer those two. Uh, but uh, the NFL is such a big brand now that market size doesn't matter that much. I mean, Kansas City and Cincinnati are not big markets. It really matters how much do people care about the stars. And I feel like Burrow and Mahomes are such big names now that either way they're going to do fine. But I, I would rank them probably as, you know, Eagles one. Uh, or or 49ers won, you know, East and West Coast probably favored. And then uh, I, I think they're going to be pretty ecstatic about whoever they get out of the AFC. Clay, I was blown away to see, because I, I would say the Eagles would be the draw with the East Coast part of it and that franchise uh, having a huge following. But the 2018 Super Bowl that featured the Eagles win is like the second lowest rated Super Bowl in the last 17 years, uh, which surprised me. I'll give you the one entry they probably don't want, Chiefs 49ers rematch from a few years ago. I would think that's probably the least yeah, desirable TV think, matchup. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, I, I think it would probably do fine because that game. Well, think it's the Super Bowl. It's going to do fine, whoever plays. Was, yeah. The two thousand for the game matters. The quality of the game matters more than the teams that are involved. And remember, they're really coming up on a big number because I, I don't know, was it 45 million people watched 49ers Cowboys? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think that's the number and they're going to have a monster number in AFC NFC that matters because the bigger, the buy-in, the more people who follow through, right. Cause you're a little bit invested. Um, I think that 2018 number is partly a, uh, uh partly a function of the disaster that was the Kaepernick protest years. Uh, so if you go look, there was a pretty significant blip. Uh, in terms of what the ratings did, uh, because I do think people decided not to watch the NFL uh, during the Kaepernick protest. It seems like the NFL has come through that. Um, and what no one talks about that has become a big benefit 
uh, is they now get the benefit of out of home viewing. So for people who watch, for instance, in a sports bar, they weren't counted until a couple of years ago. And that basically has juiced all the numbers by about 10%. So if you had, let's say, 90 million people watching, uh, now you get to count 100 million, basically, uh, because those numbers have gotten juiced just in the past couple of years. So uh, I, I think they're going to have a good number. I think crazily, you know, when the Super Bowl tends to, uh, tends to peak, and people don't realize this, the halftime show. The biggest, most watched part of the Super Bowl almost every year is the halftime show. And so I think Rihanna is going to draw a lot of eyeballs. And, uh, and if they got a competitive game, regardless of who the two teams are, I think they're setting up, given the lead-in that they're going to have in terms of AFC and NFC audience, the superstars that are involved with Mahomes or Burrow. You know, you basically have a made man in some sense in Burrow or Mahomes who are already superstars. And you know the NFC side is going to be the upstart challenger, whether it's, hey, Brock Purdy coming out of the the overall last draft pick out of nowhere, or even Jalen Hurts. Uh, to be fair, a lot of Eagle fans would have said coming into the start of the year in September, hey, this is his audition year. But I really think most Eagle fans expected that they would be going back to the draft to get someone new. And to Jalen Hurts' credit, he's just played out of his mind this year. Clay, uh, have a great week, man, and go win in Vegas. Yeah, enjoy Vegas, man. Thanks for hopping on with us. Yeah, we'll see how it go- we'll see how it goes. Appreciate y'all. Have a good week. All right, Clay Travis joins us weekly at this time. Chad, um, you remember the video or the the rumors that surfaced about Tom Brady touring a high school here in Nashville a yes. few years back? It's I do indeed. Come full circle. It's happening in Miami. We'll discuss it next. Now, kick three sixty. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So, Chad, a few years back, Tom Brady was switching teams, and everyone here in Nashville thought that he was touring Montgomery Bell Academy, one of the private schools here in uh, Davidson County. Uh, it was a huge story for about, what, two days? Yeah. That Brady, that Tom and Giselle were touring Montgomery Bell Academy. Turns out it was Steve Hutchinson <laughs> and, <laughs> and his wife. Not Tom Brady. Who's a social media influencer star, his yeah. wife. And then, of course, Tom Pretty, up pretty and, tall, blonde woman. You know, yeah. could see if uh, sure. you know, you're looking from 40 yards away. You know, maybe, it's, uh, maybe that's Giselle and Tom Brady. Uh, kids walking by them in the hall thought it was Tom and Giselle, this too, rumor which really spread. There, there were go no on. photos that I remember. No. It was just a huge, hey, Tom Brady. I've, I've heard from people at Word school. We talked to parents of kids at NBA. They were adamant about that. It. Everyone at NBA, the talk was Tom Brady and Giselle were absolutely at school touring for to, to possibly put their son at NBA. So we do have video though of Tom Brady touring a school in uh, Miami. Um, your thoughts, Chad, as you see Tom in Miami. We had this discussion yesterday. 
about, you know, the Dolphins have said Tua's coming back and he's the starter, but we also know that they coveted Brady a year ago. They were docked uh, a pick because of this, because of their flirtation with Brady and with Sean Payton. But, man, it makes a lot of sense. Well, here's what my response to this. Brady's kids are in Miami, so they're touring a school because the kids live in Miami. Has nothing to do with the Dolphins. I'll also say, speaking of full circle, if you remember, um, that when we caught word of this, that rumor was happening, you and I were in Miami. This was early 2020 at the Super Bowl in Miami. During that week, we're taking texts and phone calls. We're actually in Miami. And now here we are in Nashville covering a story. So then we were in Miami covering the story of Tom Brady maybe in Nashville with Giselle. Now it's in Nashville covering the story of Tom Brady in Miami. And he's now leasing or uh, he's now uh, uh, paying like 70 grand a month for a home that's right down the street from Giselle's new place. That sounds, that tracks. (laughs) That sounds right. I, I don't. I don't study the real estate blogs yeah, I, to know, but I, that sounds about right to me. Uh, There's a lot of people discounting uh, Vegas I know. simply because he wants to be on the East Coast. So, yeah. If Tom Brady had his way, is there any denying it would be the Dolphins, given Chad, that circumstance? Right. Tom Brady wants another Super Bowl ring. Yes, he does. <laughs> so let's maybe he'll go let's, to Vegas. Let's mention that first. It could be Miami, though. I also you think Tom to play Brady the loves twice? his kids yes. and wants to see his kids. Yes, but yeah, you know, Super Bowl <laughs> kids. <laughs> I'm, I'm not asking that question. I'm just simply stating that maybe Tom Brady is floating that question around in his in his mind right now. Possibly. Um, Prove the doubters wrong. Wherever he goes, they will be a contender. For the postseason, that's for sure. We are back at it tomorrow. Trey Wallace joins us tomorrow. We'll discuss the Stetson Bennett bypass of the Senior Bowl. Hope you'll join us starting at 3 o'clock Eastern.